Hello, and welcome to... Game Boys. Our gay bi-weekly podcast. Where we translate nerd culture. And let's be honest, we, we watched Wesley fun. download the new Metroid game because no, he has no... <laughs> it's not available yet. They shadow dropped it and it's not there. They said available later today. It is later today, Matt. It is a literally 20 minutes later today, Ugh. Wesley. Yeah, I am not going to stop. I am not interrupting my refreshing of the Nintendo eShop to record your little podcast here. So I'm afraid you're just going to have to deal with the occasional. Oh, because my work of editing the podcast by myself wasn't fucking hard enough. Now I have to deal with these little beeps. Yes. Which at least our, our viewers. Yes. Our visual viewers will know what is happening with the visual part of this click as it's refreshing the of, of course, you know, it's it's fantastic. Just fantastic. Yep. Anyways, would you like would you like to talk about the things that we did and the, the, the stuff and the do's and the sure. dingbats? <laughs> I, I can't talk much about the first one because I'm, I'm just going through it myself. So let me uh, throw a curveball to you and talk about something that we did do this past weekend and I totally forgot about. We went to a board game cafe. Board game cafe cafe correct yes and we played some board games while with some friends well some of us played some trivial pursuit that i'm probably not going to mention for reasons some of us played oh god what was it i'm looking it up because i figured you (laughs) you would not remember um i know it's a pun and it's from the people that made exploding kittens and it is about wombats and the ideas of making sure that you and your friends cannot they have made so many games okay this this is kind of nuts i want to say it's mortal wombat i think it was combat by wombat okay i and i'm desperately trying to remember my brain because i totally forgot about this no hand-to-hand wombat okay Okay. hand-to-hand wombat would you like to explain hand-to-hand wombat so, you know those little kids' toys with the rainbow-colored rings that you have to stack? I'm talking, like, toddlers? Yes. Yeah, you get three of those, and you're tasked with assembling them blind as a team by feeling around in the box for the components you need in the order they're supposed to go in. And these pieces do have, on the side, they have the basically pings, uh, pins to show that this is the number six, this is the biggest one, yeah. this is a five, this is a four, this is a three, the two, and a one. But there's a catch. There is a catch. One of your team is actually a saboteur oh. trying to stop. A bad wombat. Or confused wombat. Yeah, confused wombat was a confusing role. I got this and played it completely wrong. Like, my strategy actually made sense, but I still didn't quite understand the rules. Yeah, the confused wombat starts on the good players team and then switches as the good guys get close to winning. They start to question the good guy's ethics and think that the bad people were the good ones all along. I guess. It's the hero's journey. <laughs> sure. I think <laughs> that was one of the, the hero's journeys we saw in, in Kingdom Hearts somewhere. Somewhere, yes. Um, one of the ten yeah. different hero's journeys happening simultaneously. But hand-to-hand wombat, it's 
yeah, it is utter chaos. Uh, yeah. And it is like this int- this weird concept of doing like a secret Hitler, secret identities type of game. Because between rounds, you have this tracker. And if two out of the three things are complete in the correct order, the good wombats get a point. If all three of them are, the good wombats get two points. And vice versa, if... You know, two out of three of them are not finished, and then one of them is finished, then the bad team gets one point. And if the, yeah, the, the same, the vice versa. But yeah. you play up into the scoring of three points. Three? I thought it was four, actually. No, I think it's three. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but. I think it was four because it was one, two, three, and then win. But because of this, between each round, you have a majority vote to see if you can knock people out. And unlike Secret Hitler, you don't reveal whether or not you are the bad wombat or not. Well, Secret Hitler, you don't reveal if you're a fascist. You only reveal... Yeah. You only reveal if you're Hitler, and that ends the game. If you knocked out the bad wombat, that would technically end the game. However, in this game, the bad wombat could be knocked out in the first round, and they could still win because everyone's so fucking incompetent. Yes, you do have to actually be good at you know, feeling for the right block, communicating as a team to discuss what pieces you need and, and just the physical act of stacking. And I will say as someone that played a bad wombat in the first round, it was, it was glorious for someone that was knocked out by some slight to watch as I would just slowly put like blocks on one other blocks and remove them on others if, and you were also in that round, and you saw at least one of the rounds where I was doing this thing. Oh, yes. Yes. Unfortunately, we eliminated the person next to you rather than you. They, I think you... Everyone eliminated both the people around me. Oh, right, because then I got eliminated after yes. that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Which, that's... That's very likely to happen in this game compared to Secret Hitler, where... You know, your position on the table doesn't necessarily expose you as a fascist. No. Whereas you can very clearly tell what part of the table bad blocks are getting laid from. If you were standing up, it might be different. Possibly. I think that's why I want to really buy this game and play it on our Wormwood table, but mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, 10 out of 10. Fantastic fun. Just a surprise hit, honestly. Yeah. And we also played... I am now going to forget that other... I believe it is called Soro. Soro? Okay. T-S-U-R-O. Yeah, that sounds about right. The Where... fire variant as opposed to the water variant, whichever uh-huh. one that is. Okay, I see. And that game in particular was just a very calm and relaxing game after oh, everything yeah. that was it going on. It is zen as fuck. It is so zen, it'll rip your fucking balls off. Yes. Um, So that one, you start on a board and place down tiles, and each of the tiles will push you through one portion of the map to the other. And now I'm slowly remembering, because of the mentioning of this game, that there's another game that we have to review that I didn't put on the docket, because it's just like a game we played recently, Clank Catacombs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We do have to talk about that at some point, but let's stick to Zorro. And you basically follow these placements until you run out of space and fall off the board. And basically, after everyone's knocked off, the last people re- remaining... Yeah, it's 
what, like an 8 by 8 board, I think? So there's... There's a, there's a lot of possibility. Yeah, 64 tur turns of just, I place a tile, I update my tokens, and and that's it. It's very simple and straightforward. Not the deepest in terms of strategy, but I think there's a lot more than... So yeah, I believe it's a bit of a more calm and relaxing game, in my opinion. And yeah, if you want something a little bit more zen and just feel like placing tiles down and without the worries of being flayed alive that's probably where you should go yeah would you like to talk about being flayed alive though in clank catacombs correct so no joke the original designer of clank and and catacombs i have play tested with him a couple of times and he said i was the most entertaining clank player he had ever seen and this statement was tinged <laughs> <laughs> steeped in the most scorching judgment that I think this man is capable of. But I still took it as a compliment. And uh, yeah, I think I had a very similar experience playing Clank Catacombs. I would definitely say so, considering the fact that you just barely, barely, by one turn, basically. By one turn, yeah. Got to be able to score your points because of a last, like... I think I did something that I was like, if I do this, then I will get get you an opportunity to potentially get your ass out of here. Yes. And I forget what it was, but it, it was, was... Some some craziness with having a teleporter available or a key. Uh, something. something. I can't remember. But, but yes, yes. <laughs> Clank Catacombs is what you love about Clank, about going down into the depths of the catacombs... And getting artifacts and trying not to die from the dragon's breath. Except this time around, you place the board tiles down instead of going on to the normal board that's default in the original game. In this version, you get to make the board with a very similar style to uh, Betrayal, but in this version, you get to make it. Yeah, which adds a lot of randomness and a lot of variation to just the normal game. Because there were some crazy tiles in that mix. There were some crazy tiles, and thankfully some we didn't get to. Yes, there are ghost tiles, which I think is in a couple of the other fringe clank mechanics. Uh, I think uh, in space it was. Clank in space has it, clank legacy has it. They're really nasty clank cubes that you don't ever want to come up but here they could start very early in the dungeon oh yes oh yes they can yep but thankfully we didn't have to do with that and it was a pretty fun time yeah I, I mean if you do not like clank you will not like this yeah i think if you if you look if you do not clank like clank and you like betrayal for whatever reason i, I say that like it's a bad game no it's not a bad game but if you like betrayal I think this might be a potential possibility for you to like this game a little better. Yeah, yeah, because I do have some minor criticisms of Clank, just in how repetitive the first couple of turns of every game seem to be. Sure, and I think that's just the development portion of the game, where you are just slowly trying to, okay, what deck am I making? Oh, I guess we're making a Clank deck this time. Yep. But yeah, so now that we got all of the board games out of the way, we can probably get back to the normal schedule. And Wesley can continue refreshing the Nintendo eShop page. It's still not here. And it is still later today. It is still only 30 minutes after the 
fucking show. Anyways, I had the pleasure of being able to discover a game that released literally the day after we released the last episode. Yeah, it's Shadow Drop worked. (laughs) And also beat within that time. But this is the infamous Hi-Fi Rush, which is been shadow dropped by the same team that worked on Evil Within from Bethesda Softworks. And yeah, this game is just such a fucking joy that just dropped into our laps just out of nowhere. It's about a 10-hour experience where you play Chai, who is a young, very ambitious rock star that signs up for the Armstrong program at Valade Industries and becoming basically a test subject for some of their robotic augmentations. Unfortunately, Chai is augmented with his MP3 player, which makes everything around him go to the beat that powers the arm. And his heart, I'm pretty sure. I think, and his heart as well. I'm not 100% certain, but I remember when I watched you playing the beginning mission, it said, the beat powers the arm, and the arm does everything. And I'm like, yep. That's that's it. Yeah, some crazy universe-bending powers that affect enemies. You know, just don't think about it. It's fine. Um, there's a lot of don't think about it, and I, I promise you when you get around to them, they're actually kind of funny to just watch characters talk about. Yeah. Because they literally just look at you and gaslight you to shit. Yeah, this game knows it's fun. It doesn't need to prove that to you. It's happy to be in on the joke. Yeah, and I think that's just... That is where the game basically starts and where it ends is a lot of this game is very fun and the character interactions are just front and center Mm -hmm. the story itself is it's decent it's a very straightforward you know evil corporation capitalism bad kind of mentality and other than that it has a lot of just fun dialogue and on top of that just a very fun game mechanic system where you are playing to the beat of every song and have some influences from actual physical, not physical, actual real world songs. Unfortunately, there are only six, which I will not mention any of them, but there are certainly some highlights and introduce some songs that I had not heard before. But on top of that, I think that was the only complaint that I had was A, there's not a lot of songs from mainstream pop culture or anything. And two, the songs introduced in the game are great. The soundtrack is nowhere to be fucking seen. Ah, yes. So I will ask, where the fuck is the soundtrack? And I'm going to start there because that phrase is probably going to be repeated ten more times before this fucking podcast is ended. Mm, I see what you mean. Yes. As you look ahead. So... Outside of that, do you have any impressions from your first boss experience, I guess? Um. Because you've played up through the first mission, basically. Yeah. So the game I immediately think of is just DMC Devil May Cry. Like, it's got the same energy, the same vibrancy to the world. Not nearly as stylish with the combat or in-depth with the combat system. But then again, it couldn't be while also juggling in the, the rhythm mechanics, I don't think. Like, it's already kind of straining the skill floor to ask players to keep time with this beat, because it does keep tripping me up. There's a little bit of tripping, and I think that sometimes there is a there is actually a setting that you can make it even more lenient than it already is. Because I feel like the system is pretty lenient, 
even with the mentality of trying to hit the beat. And there's also a lot of accessibility things, like if you hit the tab button, you see a metronome come up on the bottom of the screen in case you need to have that. But I think what's beautiful about it is everything is going on the beat, including the enemy's attacks even. Like, everything from Chai snapping his fingers every time you're in idle to the environment is literally bouncing to the beat. It's Everything is affected. It's just, it kind of can't be on the beat, and it isn't really on the beat. It, like, say an attack animation is coming at you. Does that mean it's going to start on the beat, or is it going to hit on the beat? It's going to hit on the beat. It can't possibly know that. Like, if an attack is eight frames long, there's eight, deg- there's eight different places where an attack could potentially hit you. Because you're moving during it. Well, hmm. it can't, it, it isn't perfect. It isn't perfect, but I think it also isn't expecting perfection from the player either. No, there is there is a window there, but it's it's just imperfect enough that when you are used to, to games demanding frame accuracy with their timing of combos and enemy hits, it it is tripping me up, honestly. It's not a bad thing. The game is still plenty of fun. It's just, I think that does limit certain aspects of the combat. Um... And yeah, it's it's making it a little harder for me to, to acclimate. Understandable. What do you think of the characters so far? That oh, phenomenal. Have been introduced? <laughs> yeah, uh, there have not been a ton of them. Like, we've seen evil snooty CEO guy. Vandalay. Vandalay. Reza? The QA. Reza. Reza, the QA lead. Yep. Who's delightful. Just Oh, she's incredible, honestly. I, I feel like she she needed to stay in the plot a lot longer than... Oh, is that the end of her... Did you did you beat the first boss boss? I did beat the first boss boss. Okay. Yeah. Because the first boss, boss, not boss boss, is just like a very like, hey, here's here's someone to beat up on. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I fought the first thing that I would call a boss. Okay, yeah, that's not... That's not... That's not the okay. end of Riza. Gotcha. Good. Glad to hear I get a little bit more of her. She's one-dimensional, but commits to it so hard it works well. And I guess I could say that about this entire game. And that's a, that's a, that's basically all the characters, yes. Yeah. Even Mimosa, who you see for a very quick second, is just this pop star. Um, I believe she runs HR. Okay. But she's like in the opening cutscene with Vandalay. Ah, yes. And in a slew of... Um, NPCs that are your allies throughout the game that just consistently just make me realize how well diverse it is. And I think what I recognize the most about it is how the game itself just has a lot of this this connection where it almost just feels very Persona-y. And I think that that's what really makes this such a joy and such an experience is because like persona it focuses on character and you know i think on top of that it also focuses on very fun boss fights and unique boss mechanics that i think that it just it fits right in there with that perfect blend of just you know the story doesn't have to be mind-blowing which i get it persona had a very big story and this is a much simplified version, but also this is a tenth of the runtime of Persona. Yes, very true. If tenth, even. Uh, we'll see. Like, yeah, I, I see plenty of potential for the boss fights. 
they're clearly the things that they're trying to make us remember, because for the most part, it's just random little robot dudes you, you beat up and forget about. First boss was basically just the first boss from Kingdom Hearts, and uh, yeah. that was fine. That was a very memorable boss, obviously, so, you know. I will say, as you start to face other bosses in the game, that boss actually becomes less, um, you know, memorable. Okay. But yeah. That's all I have really for Hi-Fi Rush. I really wish that there was more actual songs or if, you know, you're going to have me listen to your original soundtrack, which is pretty good. And on top of that, has like a song that sounds straight out of fucking Persona. Mm, mm -hmm. Then maybe let it be available for your fucking audience. Let me have the fucking soundtrack. I mean, it is a single-player game. It's not intended to have the longest lifespan. I'm sure it will get out before long, unless there's some weird rights problem with the, the high-profile names that they got for it. I cannot imagine, because the original soundtrack is something that they made for the game. Yeah. On top of that, there's an official Spotify playlist from Bethesda with the six songs on that playlist. Man, I keep forgetting Bethesda made this. It's yeah. Weird. And the team that made Evil Within, which I'm just like, that feels like such a weird fucking, yeah, just tone change. Man, what was that that game Microsoft tried to push towards the start of Xbox One? It was like Sunset Overdrive or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I kind of get vibes of that I here. I do too, actually. Except the discourse was so opposed to Sunset Overdrive at the time that I never even gave that a chance, whereas this I love, so... What is the discourse for that game? Uh, I think it was like a soulless corporate producer's idea of what kids like. Oh. That that lacked any life or genuine joy to it. Um. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's what sticks in my head. Never played it, never even really watched much gameplay for it, but I avoided it just on that. Any marketing execs in the audience, take note. Because they're all listening. Yep. But with that, let's move on to our next... Oh god, it's another game just like Hi-Fi Rush. With the continuation of our story <laughs> surrounding the one and only Soreza, a.k.a. Bayonetta, in Bayonetta 3. So, I have never played these games, uh -huh. and I feel like I am equally qualified to talk about their story as you, who have obsessed over their plot and characters for three games. I feel like that is incorrect only because there are certain things that I probably do know that you definitely don't, but that knowledge is like, you know, it could fit in a floppy disk-sized storage space of memory. I used to use floppy disks. I used to, too. You know how much text can fit on 3.5 megabytes? A lot. A lot. Anyways, Wesley, what did you think of Bayonetta 3 before <laughs> I talk about... Where's the soundtrack? Oh, yes. What did I think about Bayonetta 3? Uh, fan service as hell, in, uh -huh. in the best of ways. Yep. And... A good cap to a trilogy, I think. Is that fair to say? I wouldn't, for reasons, I wouldn't say that 100%. Is there, is there like a single through line through all three games? What do you mean? Like, is there a story that gets wrapped up? Is it like you with the, the James Bond chick? Well, I guess it's a, if anything, it's a will they, won't they story okay. that yeah. gets wrapped up. That is the only thing that gets wrapped up. Ah, I see. Because everything else is like, you know, Bayonetta is very, a very unique franchise where us fans of Bayonetta that have played all of them, 
We don't know what's happening in the story. We don't know why you can control kaiju all of a sudden. I don't know why all of a sudden the syndicate, synthesis, whatever we call it, are coming after us. They're just trying to destroy the multiverse for some reason. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're here to watch Cereza just dance on her shoes that are made of guns and kill people. Yep, the gameplay's solid. That's all that matters. And the gameplay is very solid. I actually play this on casual mode because I am a filthy casual and just wanted to watch my beautiful Cereza voiced by the best version of this character, Jennifer Hale. I just wanted to watch her dance and have me just smile the whole time while I watch this video game play out and basically combine both Marvel's Multiverse of Madness and Spider-Man No Way Home and made something even better than both movies. Wow, okay, that's that's saying quite a lot. I was screaming at the top of my lungs when something happens in the last act, and I was livid in the most beautiful way. And I was actually crying by the end of that fucking game. Okay, livid means angry. Are you... you were angry? Livid in the best possible way. Angry in the best possible way. No? No. Okay, making sure. Whatever. Adjectives don't mean anything anymore, okay? (laughs) (laughs) It is a post-adjective world. You heard it here, purple. (laughs) So yes, this game has literally everything you can imagine. It is the game to end all games. And you you can agree with this because you've seen every single game get represented in this video game. That's true. We still need... The Bayonetta Devil May Cry crossover, in my opinion. That's a crossover. That isn't... That is just a game phenomena. I suppose. And, I, you know, I always think they're the same developer, and they're not. But no. But they, they should have been. <laughs> they they really should have been. And, and I don't know. I, I guess that just means Platinum should have handled Devil May Cry. I... I don't know about... I have, you're, you're probably better to talk about that than I am, honestly. But, you know... It. There are times that I'm curious how much is stretching the Switch's hardware specs because it's like, oh wow, sometimes this looks fantastic and sometimes this looks, oh, the frame rate dropped. Yeah, yeah, it's not the prettiest looking game by any means, but it's it's trying. It's, it's trying. Its it best. looks pretty when it wants to look pretty. Indeed. But yes, so. Yeah, I can't say anything, you know anything better about this game other than where the fuck is the soundtrack where is the songs because this is infuriating considering the fact that i'm late to the game on this one because i took my time with this because you know the holidays happened and life happens and la but for the fact that this game has been out for almost six months now maybe i can't tell time's weird and time's very weird in which time but This game has been out for quite a while. Where the fuck is this soundtrack? Sorry, which time? Which time? Yes. Which time? Which time? I feel like you're just repeating my question back to you. I am stating which time. I'm not asking anything. I know what you're doing here, (laughs) you little shit. Anyways... Anyways... More to say about Bayonetta 3. Uh, we, We did just get... Announcement of a sequel of sorts, prequel. Yes, we did get an announcement that we will talk about in the the news. But... Okay. Yes, we did. 
Also, this game's homophobic, unfortunately. <laughs> the game is a little bit homophobic. Not really, but yes. If anything, it, it makes it up by getting rid of a transphobe as a voice actress. So that's nice. True. Yeah, that is good. Actually, I don't remember if she was transphobic. I she think it was just, more pro-abortion. Yeah, that I was think the it was... Thing. She was like, donate to these charities with your boycott money. And one Anti-abortion. Of them was... Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Want to make sure that that one did not slide. Yes, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. It's a post-adjective world, people. <laughs> I know you're very new to this, but <laughs> sometimes we ha- there are some lines we have to draw yes. when it comes to conservative ideologies and turfisms. We need to make sure that we nope, are... don't go there. <laughs> <sighs> I'm just gonna say this very quick for a certain <laughs> game in the room, and if you're thinking about it, you probably know what game it is. We're not gonna talk about it. We're not even gonna mention it in the news because it's very popular in the news recently. I'm just going to say this. Fuck TERFs, fuck J.K. Rowling, and go be a wizard. Be a gay wizard, though. Or be a gay witch, because that's what this game is all about. Bayonetta, not yeah, the yes, other game. Bayonetta, right. There we go. Got it. Listen, we jumped a little into the underground and came back up right on track. Right back moving on our gay bi-weekly track. Anyways, before we move on to the next thing, was there anything else you wanted to say about Bayonetta? No, no, I don't think so. Okay. I, I might need to start the whole trilogy soon. You to, should. To have further you absolutely should. With that, we will talk about something that we've just been dragging our feet through. The Dragon Prince. Was that an intentional pun? Absolutely not. Okay. All right, we were going to have to have a talk later. But anyways, Abs- yes. Oh, wow. The Dragon Prince, the mysteries of Azshara, the wrath of Ashardalan. The fall of Talos. I I don't. They, rena- they rebranded this show and now it's another name, but we're still calling it Dragon Prince Season 4? I suppose. You don't really need to know much going into this about what happened in the first three seasons. It's like a soft reboot, actually. <laughs> kind of. Which still does pick up with the plot threads that we had. You know, there's there's only two or three things you need to know, and you can sort of piece it together from there. Yeah. So, we pick up the Dragon Prince, like, two years later? Yes, where no one has aged a day, well, including the, like, ten-year-old king. Well, the ten-year-old king did age up. And so did Soren. His, his decision-making doesn't and, reflect it. Well, yes, it doesn't. And so does the dragon ages up. Everyone does get a bit of an age up and a t- slight costume change. But now they're trying to deal with, you know, real-world politics with also fart jokes. Because that's, that's right, it's kids show yeah yeah so this is a this is the unfortunate thing about this television show and weird considering that it's the creator of avatar a a person that made this formula pretty perfect where they started as a kids show and when we went back and watched it again the kids show element was very subdued in season one then more than we probably remembered and it eventually grew up into dealing with very real things and adult politics and still being a kid's show because it was still slapstick and fun. This show went all the way up to there where it was starting to do more real world stuff and then came back down. Yeah. And kind of stayed there for like half of the season. 
and sort of violently oscillating between those tones. Like, yeah, it it just could not help itself but throw out toilet humor that is kid approved in just the most random of scenes. And it would happen like right after someone was murdered. So I was kind of like sitting like, what is this show trying to teach us? Yeah. I will say once we got towards like we got to the location where this the meat of the story was for this season, it was at least like okay, everyone's everyone got out of their system at this point. But it was still just kind of frustrating to be in season four of the show and still doing season one antics that we got we should be well over by now. Yeah. Also, there was this whole secondary plot with our deaf representation and lesbian representation that never connected back to the main story. It didn't, which I was kind of very confused by the fact it didn't connect, but also I'm happy to have that representation in there. And that was always the fresh of breath air from an adult standpoint. Yes. And, you know, it, it was it was nice. I liked it. It had some really good, like, moral, like, choice. Like, it had the elements that the rest of the show should have just been consistently. Yeah, it it at least posed an interesting question at one point. Is it, like, to what degree should you go to to respect someone's culture? Yeah, and I think it answered it pretty beautifully, honestly. I I think so. Or rather, demonstrated, you know, the, the compromises that have to be made with that sort of question. Right. And also, adding on to our representation, we got our first trans character in this television show. Which uh... I will not talk about, because I do not want to spoil it for one thing, and... I'm still kind of up in the air about this character to begin with because they were just very interesting. Yes. Um, it would be kind of like if somewhere in, in Jar Jar's unhinged ramblings in episode one, they had some somewhere along the line stated that they used to be known as a woman and then just go on to talk about, you know, whatever, interrupting the boss Nass's court and getting banished. <laughs> It, like, this character's transness informed almost nothing of their character from what I could see. Yeah, that was the infuriating part, for sure. Like, maybe that's maybe that's why he's off on his own in the first place? Like, they didn't explicitly state that he was, like, banished for it or anything. No, and, you know, we, we kind of assumed that he might have been, like, you know, involved with the deeper plot or something like that. Or, you know, it's kind of sus that you show up out of nowhere kind of thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's more to explore there in future seasons. At, That's at least, you know, representation. That is the hope. That is the hope that they kind of like go, all right, this this kid, he had a bit of an interesting start. We got some potential here, but we just need to really, really lean into that potential rather than doing some of the more, you know, Jar Jar-y things. So. Yeah. What did his fart smell like? I okay yeah he was the person that was doing the fart jokes. Oh <laughs> shit, we were we were trying to dance around it. I apologize. I mean, multiple people do fart jokes here. Yes, certainly. But, but yes, he's his fart smells like something pleasant rather than not. Yeah. So that was that was cute, I guess. Anyways, yes, this is this show's fine. It's you know I think I think we just kind of roll our eyes at the kid humor that overspends its welcome. Especially yeah. when, like, the lead character is dabbing in the middle of... Uh. Oh, God. There was, like, city council meetings, and he dabbed, and I'm just like, why are all these children in Rule of the Kingdom? What the fuck is this? Yeah, if there were a single 
competent adult anywhere in this universe, they could be king of existence within a week. Yeah. Yeah. So with that, would you like to talk about something that you have done recently? Oh boy. A couple things, I should say. Unfortunately, this needs to be a review of my relationship with an entire genre of video games that I think I just have to, to set behind me. Roguelikes. I have made one. I've spent five years and continue to play custodian to one called 100 Rogues. But I, I just can't invest the amount of time in them that they demand. And it feels unnecessary given what being a gamer in the, this day and age demands of us. Like, I've, I've had to basically give up MMOs for the same reason. This genre of games called roguelikes just will not let you pass like the the skill ceiling is so high the skill floor for progression is so high uh that you really do have to dedicate dozens upon dozens of hours uh replaying content you've already seen to spend a minuscule amount of time practicing a new thing that you've maybe seen once or twice that nonetheless gates your entire progress through the rest and i'm just uh you know it just sounds like it's not your thing Basically, yes. Because I personally don't think that I've had that issue as much with some of these games, but I can see where you're coming from. And I'm on the fence because I uh, do have to swear off Hades as consequence of this, because that was another game I tried to get back into, and I just can't. You know, it, it lets you progress to a point, but I can't figure out a boss, and it's just like, okay, I guess I have to bang my head at it for five or six hours to get a couple of minutes of progress every run. And it's just, I've got too much going on with my life. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Like, that's fair. You, 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 can't, you can't invest your time into that, and that's totally fine. Yeah, I, I may try and adjust my strategies somewhat and give it another shot here. Well, that's that's what you need to do. That is here and there is fine. That's, that's what you have to do over and over and over again. And you never know for sure if it's ever actually going to work because it's just dozens of hours. Mm, Yeah. It's a slippery slope. And I've, I've had to write off rogue legacy two. I played the first one and loved it. I had a little bit more time in my life back then. And two, ramped up the difficulty in a big way for what I can tell no goddamn reason except I do have to say it has a very interesting approach to what it calls house rules. This game does not have difficulty settings. It has house rules. Things like characters just have less health. Your hitbox is much, much smaller. Uh, I think Traps don't deal as much damage is one of them. And you can basically just customize individual elements of your experience to be like, yeah, that's too hard. I'm just disabling this feature of the game. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I never actually used it because it just felt too much like Devil May Cry's notorious ultimate fucking pussy mode notification that popped up whenever you died too much and it's like no i'm i'm here to play a game that the designer designed not not some cheap version of it that is deigning to let me walk through it you're i i keep talking more in the hopes of baiting a response out of you it's not my (laughs) intention to go on a rant here well i'm i'm trying to figure out a means of telling you that maybe you just don't that's fine you you could just walk away from it i i 
I don't know. Coming from an angle of them changing the settings to suit your need is kind of... I can see the aspect of you looking at this from a development stand. Like, you do not have playtesters for this kind of thing. But also, I think when it's procedurally generated stuff, that that's kind of the point, is they want to give players more control. Okay, so you... I, I think that sounds like you're... In favor of giving players control? I think so, but then also, you know, when I play Beat Saber, they have those controls on the side that you can augment your experience. You can have no fail mode, you can have etc. Um, these modifiers that modify your score, but also I just feel the need not to do those because I would rather do what was intended. Yeah. Ultimately, I guess you can look at these as simply accessibility features. And yeah. that's, that is fine. I I approve of those things, and I guess it's just, for me personally, I want to, to know what your game is supposed to be so that I'm playing it the way it was intended. Right. Maybe a designer intended someone like me get what I want out of it. Well, okay, we don't need to call it that. <laughs> but also, um, we're in a much different age where, you know... I, I, I keep telling you how I'm just playing games on easy mode because I just want to know the story. I don't yeah. care. There's one game I only play on the hardest difficulty, and it's Mass Effect. Right. And that's because it is my favorite game. Yeah. I don't I don't care about this achievement of getting, like, you know, you beat it on normal mode, or you beat it on hard mode. Like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. I, you know, if I play a game on normal mode and I get to the end and it's like... You beat it on normal mode. Try and do it on extremely hard difficulty mode. And it's... I look back and I'm like, I don't care. No, I could have <laughs> unlocked this... I could have unlocked the same mode if I did, like, easy mode. And I would have had the same experience. I actually probably would have felt a little more like a badass. You know, I'm playing Bayonetta 3 and I'm on casual mode, which is, like, the easiest fucking mode. But I want to, like, get through the story. And also, I feel really cool when I'm running around and just doing random bullshit as Cereza. And it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't, like, you know, sometimes, sometimes I realize, like, okay... Now I'm just trying to get the boss down to zero health, and mm. this is repetitive. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel better about myself. I don't care. I'm not proving to anyone else by getting the achievement that's like, you did the ultimate difficult mode. Except Mass Effect. Yeah. I, I'm i more comfortable, I think, with just the, the normal, easy, normal, hard modes. Like... I'm fine playing through a game on easy, personally, and just having it be... Yeah, that that's the thing. Is it, I, like... Have an easy mode and let that draw you in. And if you absolutely love this game on easy mode, then you get to explore its depths at a higher difficulty setting. Yeah. So, yeah. So maybe you'll try Hades again. Hades does not have a fucking difficulty setting. Anyways, <sighs> with that, we're going to move on to Dear Monster. Dear Monster. I am going to butcher the name here, I apologize. I believe it is Yamila Abraham is the writer behind this, and they've put out uh, numerous very saucy novels uh, <laughs> that have been turned into visual novels, including the very well-received Mr. Versatile, which I have talked oh. about on this podcast before, as well as Morning Dew Farms, which I may have spoken of at one point. Yeah, just a bunch of gay, yaoi visual novels on Steam. 
This explains a lot now. Uh, it does. It does. So I was very excited to kickstart Deer Monster, and it, it faced some hiccups, unfortunately, and required a couple tries to get funding, but did eventually see the light of day. And it's it's fine. Okay. Yeah, it. I do feel like this was more the author trying to make their novels into a visual novel rather than the amazing job I saw them do with Mr. Versatile where it was like, this, this game was built as a visual novel first and then the story at every step of the way supported that. Like, the the flow of Mr. Versatile was like, every character you meet you can fuck them basically immediately. And it does not impact whether or not you're allowed to see their stories to completion. Uh, you don't really have to pick to just commit to one romantic partner. Although, yeah, there are there are trade-offs and some things that you can't do, but you you can get a best end ending where everyone's happy. And it it sees itself much more as this this holistic story universe world playing out at once that you can navigate uh, to your liking. Dear Monster, by comparison, very early in sets a very clear branching point of pick which husbando you want, and then you just sort of read the rest of their story in a very linear fashion. No. Oh. It was it was a disappointing a disappointment to see that structure in in one of these games. But, you know, for what those stories were, they were plenty satisfying and reasonably well written and and the the porn was excellent. So, <laughs> yeah, uh go in with those expectations set and you'll have a good time. Uh and this one just if you're curious about the theming of it, Dear Monster, it, the premise is you're a young college student about to go off for your first year of medical school when a mysterious letter arrives calling you to your grandfather's estate, which turns out is in a pocket dimension. Your family is magical. You discover this as four or five beautiful men of different creature varieties. There's a dragon, a mummy, unicorn, fox boy, just sort of volunteer themselves to guide you through the process of learning your magic. I wonder how they teach. There's possibly some sex involved. Yes. <laughs> this sounds like a terrible school. Worse than the school of good. Possibly. <laughs> but yeah, so... I, I definitely recommend this if you are, uh, I don't know, in the mood to, to play a game about learning magic. That feels pointed. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, if you've just ever wanted to like go to a magical place and have your elders teach you this, the secrets of magic in a fantasy world, this right now in Year of Our Lord 2023, February, is the game you should be playing. <laughs> And this one, you get to sleep with the teachers. Yes. Unlike other games. <laughs> That's true. Ugh, let's not think about that too long. Let's not. That's no. Anyways, uh, let's. Oh, fuck. We're going to talk about a problematic thing that we watched because we wanted to catch up with it, first of all. And second of all, because they're doing actually good things with this thing. We decided to catch up on Rick and Morty. It's available now! Oh my god, okay. Okay. Uh, anyways, I was really hoping that was available for the podcast. I kind of... Okay. Uh, yeah, um... Your chest is pounding. Yeah, a little bit. 
Um, uh, anyways. Randy and, and Mordecai. R- R- Rick and Morty. Wesley, don't Sorry, play the trailer. Not, I didn't mean to pull up the trailer. So, as people know, because I almost forgot to put this in the docket for last episode, but as people know, Justin Roiland of Rick and Morty has been deemed... A know, piece of shit. A piece of shit. Someone that abuses his partner and, you know, just all around fuckwad. Anyways, so, what are we going to do? Adult Swim has removed him from the show and will be recasting him in his roles. And I believe most, I believe even the video game that came out recently, I cannot remember the name of it. High on Life. High on Life also is doing... parted ways with him as well, yes. Yeah, they are parting ways with him, which is, you know, you can't do a whole lot about the voice acting in the game, but, you know. Yep. So, yeah, on top of the fact that we wanted to, you know, have a cartoon to just watch and... Decided to catch up on this TV show that we haven't watched since... God, it's been a while. Season 3, I think, was the last that we saw. Yeah, which we watched season 4 and season 5 because season 6 is not available on HBO Max yet. So, yeah, it's it's Rick and Morty. It's, it's, it's fun. It's really funny. It's, you know, it's going along this plot line of trying to make sure that it is... Showing you who the real villain of the show is and showing you the realism of being who Rick is, I would say. Yeah, I've I've heard headlines over the past couple of years about the show pushing in this direction, and it's it is nice to see some character growth out of Rick. Assuming that that it actually does pay off to something, because yeah, in general, there's a lot more self-awareness, but no actual change in behavior so far. Uh, the first is at least being aware of it. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens. We haven't watched season six, which I think is coming out to HBO Max soon. And season seven obviously is in production right now. Right. With new voice actors. With new voice actors. So that'll be nice. Yeah. I also want to mention that the news has just shown that apparently he has not had creative input, like hasn't been in the writer's room in years. And apparently the show has just been sort of flying without him, except for, He'll, he will remotely do the voice acting work. He doesn't actually talk to the writers or producers or anything. So That's very odd. It is quite odd. Do you think that maybe the direction of Rick was taken in a... No, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah. With that, and since we're so very long and lame to the episode, and I have a one-on-one session with my camera court in five minutes... And I have um, a one-on-one on Talon 4, baby. Anyways, would you like to update us on Werewolf? Uh, yeah, sure. So things finally came to a head. My my campaign is back on track after all of the different people, uh, the grand total of four, vying for control of my player's hometown sept, it's called, squared off in a free-for-all, winner-take-all battle for leadership. Um, the battle for Bikini Bottom. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. And it was a, a truly epic battle where I got to really flex my muscles with character creation and make some some advanced players, uh, NPCs. And it was really fun for me getting to like show off and, and be like, yeah, see, werewolves are so much more than just the, the fangs and claws, as much as I love those aspects of them. Like, at, at higher levels, they are shamans truly in tune with nature and reality that can bend it in all sorts of mind-bending ways. So it was fun just getting to, to flex on that. And as far as the story, it, it was largely a cutscene, but I did give 
opportunities to my players to influence and maybe push some characters uh, in different directions. And, you know, one of them did drastically alter the outcome by influencing one of the combatants not to kill one of the other NPCs. Hey, character death. That's always great to influence. Uh, yeah, that player did also try to interrupt the ritual entirely, which nearly got him excommunicated from the Sept, but... Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, overall, that's a win. Yeah, that's a... It's a win. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of thing was just really fun. It's It was one of the moments where I have to kind of remind myself, I give my players plenty of agency most games. It can be just talk and describe a, a really epic scene happening you don't necessarily have to let the players get involved in every one yeah i think this is a nice way to do so honestly i i hope they agree i yeah i'm excited for a campaign wrap-up but that's that's a ways away and you have not had any no nope. or <laughs> no nope. wow what are the odds what are the odds you know one ones galore but no <laughs> otherwise yes so current events I'm downloading Metroid Prime. Yeah, that's that's the one big highlight from the Nintendo Direct, other than Pikmin 4 is coming out this summer. Uh, what are the other big ones? There were a bunch of games about anime detectives. Yeah, that's that's I'm so I'm so tired. <laughs> There's so many of them. I I don't and you know, even the one detective game had like a ten second trailer that was like, yeah, that's all you really need. For Professor Layton? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And otherwise, it was just like, here's a 10-minute video of these anime kids going to uh, cop school and using spiritual bow and arrows and shooting cops. I don't know. Yeah. It, it was it was weird. You know what I will say? Nintendo Directs are the only place where I, I see old-school JRPGs continue to get any love. Yeah, I guess that is true. Otherwise, you are just hoping that they get the light of day in one of these development directs, as Microsoft put it. Yeah, which, you know, you'll see, like, Octopath or whatever Square puts out. But that's about it. And there's a lot more interesting work going on in this space. Absolutely. So, this was nice. There was a nice change of pace. In other news, it has just been confirmed, hot off the press, hot, 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 um, that there are going to be confirmed sequels for both Frozen Zootopia and Toy Story. I feel like we've had Frozen confirmed to this point. I don't think we have, actually. Okay. I think it's just been kind of like an expectation rather than a confirmation. Okay, that's fair. So that's nice to hear. Yeah, I was worried that Zootopia... You know, I still haven't watched the Zootopia Plus series. Oh, yeah, I guess that is out now, too. It, it is. And I guess, like, is it all just Sing, basically? No, I think it's just, like, little shorts, if anything. Okay, I would hope so. I thought it was, like, a musical. No, I think one of them was, but I think it was ah. just shorts otherwise. Oh. All right, I'll check that out. And, of course, Toy Story is excellent. I don't know how it keeps going, but more yeah. power. I mean, I haven't watched the latest one, but, you know, I've watched the one before that, and it felt like Toy Story 3 was the last one I really needed yeah. in my life. Yeah, Andy went off to college, and... Matt did too, and he never came back to Toy Story. Anyways, last bit of news. James Gunn has confirmed his slate of DC movies and television shows. Starting off with the movies, we have The Authority, which is a new team. Never heard of them before, and would be very excited to see what James Gunn has behind them. The Brave and the Bold, which is going to be a Batman movie featuring Batman and Robin. Uh. Specifically, Damian Wayne. 
I am I am so excited. That that intrigues me for a lot of reasons. One to actually get a good Robin on screen. And I will say that Chris O'Donnell was good. I enjoyed those. Sure. But been a very long time since we've seen Robin on the big screen. Yeah, fair. The next one would be Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which I feel like CW Supergirl did a lot of good things. But, you know, I'm excited to see this this live action one be portrayed. So we'll see what they bring to the table. Yep. A reboot of Superman being Superman Legacy. And the last movie that they have in their first phase slate is Swamp Thing. Just some very odd choices, but, you know, not odd for a James Gunn direction, so to speak. Yeah, no, I mean, I I feel like the golden age of superhero movies that we're in really works on having genre movies above all else. So weird works. As for television shows, we have Booster Gold, which is the story about the future time traveler that is just a loser in the future, but comes back into modern day to try and be not a loser. Okay. So a very unique take on it. The Creature Commandos, which apparently this one is going to be an animated movie and then or animated television show and then translate into this new DC DCU. I have to remember it's not a DCEU. It's yes. DCU now. Yep. Then a Lanterns television show featuring the Lantern Corps and featuring, I believe, Jon Stewart and... Oh my god, I'm forgetting the... Hal Jordan? Hal Jordan. Sure. And then on top of that, another one named Paradise Lost, which I do not have the notes on this one. Okay. <laughs> and last but certainly not least... Waller, which is seems like it's going to be the season two of Peacemaker, technically. Oh, interesting. That kind of makes sense, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know if I would like a Peacemaker season two just because season one was just perfect. Yeah. But I do want more of him and that team. Mm, so mm-hmm. Waller being, uh, you know, an unofficial continuation of that story, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Where do you think Nightwing is going to factor into this? I mean, maybe in the Brave and the Bold, because Damian Wayne is just the current Robin. Yeah, yeah, I guess it could be in there. I, I feel like he's just going to pop up somewhere unexpectedly. Who knows? We will see. That is the current slate, and then everything else outside that, which we are getting a Matt Reeves sequel and the Joker sequel featuring Harley Quinn as Lady Gaga. Those are going to be considered Elseworld movies, which yeah. I guess also Shazam might now be technically Elseworld. I don't know. Yeah. Which is sad, because I do like Shazam. But other than that, that is our episode, as I am three minutes late to this Camarilla Court session. Sorry. Well, that's fine. You have your fucking Metroid. It's only 30%. Oh my god. Anyways, I love you very much. My name is Matt. And I am Wes. Thank you so much for listening, as always. We love you very much. Mm -hmm. And we will talk to you very, very soon. Bye. Bye. Give me my music.